plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> I didn't even remember what What'd you say? Fluffle. Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome back to a bi, are we calling it bi-monthly now? We we skipped last week. No, we're back on weekly. We just okay, skipped a week, all right. that's all. all we you can't get a week, week off? Man. And it's the middle Jeez, of the NBA playoffs in August, you know? Yeah, yeah but this is Warriors Says the plus dude minus. who just came back from Hawaii or wherever you went. Hawaii, where, where I certainly wasn't. Were you off for Hawaii. weeks? I know. No, where'd you go? I was in the San Diego area. I drove down there, by the way, so... Yeah, I, I was not in Hawaii. I don't think anyone. I would advise anyone to go to Hawaii right now. Over under margaritas for Slater. I'm gonna go in my life in the last few weeks. What? What are we talking? Da- about? Down there, down there. Well, the way you said it makes me want to set it at 1.5. 1.5. We going over under? What are we thinking? Under. 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 Wow. Yeah, under. he's a Moscow Mule guy. 1.5 total margaritas in my entire trip to Southern California. Is that what you're asking? The overhead. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> the overhead. <laughs> Wow, way to go, way to go, way to go. Anyway, well, we're returning because, we, like you said, we took a week off to some new, like Warriors. I know it is the deadest offseason in NBA history, but, you know, the Warriors hired two brand name guys back to the organization. Plus, they're going to have a camp next week. Where do you guys want to start? I would say Livingston's probably the, the biggest of the two names. Let's start with the Marcus Thompson big scoop. Breaking show. news. Brian, enter the breaking news sound. <laughs> <laughs> We're reporting live Wait, from no, 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 Chase Right, we need a helicopter. A helicopter in the background. <laughs> ah, Marcus Thompson Big here. Storm. <laughs> source is close to Sean Livingston. Can't confirm. Oops, wait a minute. The source is Sean Livingston. Yeah. I can't confirm that the Warriors are hiring Sean Livingston, three-time champion, Peoria, Illinois' finest to the front office. He was inspired by Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and their care for people yeah that, that really wasn't that really wasn't hit like i thought <laughs> i'll tell you one thing though it, it it is a reassembling of a lot of things that they didn't have last season let's say you know think about it. they lost durant they lost iguodala they lost livingston didn't have clay around very much steph played four games just think about it. if you're eric pascal you you weren't really around any of those guys and you know, who knows what how much barbosa is going to do as a what is he player development whatever he is i actually talked to steve kerr this morning for an article that oh my even more scoopage come on is this is this how you're telling me that you got a story here right now yeah okay i didn't i was not aware of this yeah Steve mentioned the fact what you're kind of alluding to. They had nine guys that were 23 years or younger on a 14-man roster to enter last season. One of them was out for the year. The other one quickly became out for the year. Remember, it was like Draymond and like puppies out there for a while. You know, the coaching staff felt that last year. And Steve even mentioned in the interview, like they would like to get a veteran in free agency, and they expect to if free agency goes normally. But they still don't know what free agency is going to look like this year, what they can pay for. All of that. So they believe that, yes, bringing Livingston in, even though it's more front office, and it's not like he's going to be traveling with the team every day. But Barbosa particularly, he kind of compared it to like the Willie Green role. That Remember, they lost Willie Green. He is going to be on the court playing, which I think is an underrated factor in this. You know, they can have him scrimmage against... Practicing. Yes. Pra- practice. Yeah, practicing. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> not playing in games. Well, they've needed guards, right, for those half-court games where they try to get everybody in shape. It's been a little bit a little bit big-heavy with the coaches. You guys know him better than me because when I got there, he was gone, but apparently he's like an unbelievable veteran. He was on the court yesterday, I guess, with Andrew Wiggins, who's in town, and was working with Wiggins yesterday. So Interesting that I was thinking, God, one guy who could really use mentorship that isn't Draymond you know he you know Draymond's good for everybody but certain personalities maybe he's better than others and Steph leads in his own way but like who could use that Iguodala kind of guidance you know that kind of spirit of the team is Andrew Wiggins and interesting that you bring that up right away because I thought that Livingston and Barbosa Michael Boulder (laughs) (laughs) Michael Boulder could really use that Alan Smilek each has been dying for it it's just like, I just see Wiggins as a guy who could have used Andre next to him, you know, for three years. 
and doesn't have it. But, you know, what's the next best thing? Livingston will see what his role actually is in front office, but he'll be around. And Barbosa, just got, you know, arm around him saying, here, here's what, you know, Steve really was saying, and here's what Draymond kind of wants you to do. And just kind of be there, you know, that we've talked about. They didn't have that middle layer last year. We didn't have a lot of layers. But they didn't have that veteran, you know, Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks kind of were that. But they were new, too. Like, Burks is Wiggins, just not with the number one overall pick. And they were new and they were free agent. You know, it's like, this is like a layer of, hey, here's how we kind of do it. But it isn't the superstar doing it and isn't the coach doing it. I mean, there's a million reasons why. But you, you see with Barbosa and Livingston, the Warriors trying to re, kind of recreate that with obviously two of the most popular players that have ever been, certainly within the team framework. I wonder if Barbosa can help Wiggins be more decisive on those drives. I don't think about them having similar roles because obviously Barbosa is a guard, but maybe he can be maybe he can be helpful that way. I never got to know Barbosa that well uh, in his time. Did, Marcus, did you? Tim, did you at all? He was one of those. Oh yeah, we gonna be championship. We're gonna be championship. Thank you, Leandro. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Steve Berman, I think. Barbosa is low key hilarious, and it's shocking how much like the rest of his teammates here are. You know, I'm sure it's because he's like Brazilian and we expect something else, but. Like, he's the dude that will say some outlandish stuff, and you're like, Leandro Barbosa just said that? I never knew him when I was on the beat to really be a quote like that. His teammates found him hilarious, but, you know, for quotes, I like going to most Spades. Most oh, Spades. Oh, man, had, they love them, man. Oh, yeah, we're talking quotes. I mean, most Mo Spades was incredible. This is like a Kerr thing, you know, it's that back of the roster or middle of the roster needs to be full of people who are like fun and energetic and upbeat and keep practices going that's what i remember about like he was like a king of the end of practice shooting competitions like he was incredible at those and he was yelling and laughing and organizing them and organizing i'm sure you know off the court stuff and that's what you know again they were such a different team last season it's hard to compare anything to last season certainly because they were the greatest team ever for five seasons and then they were what the hell you know they were last season you know and they kind of missed that in the last couple years they were kind of darker and heavier and more somber and i think her missed that a lot you know and and they had a lot of the same people around but a guy like barbosa a guy like marigel guy like Pachulia and got you know the international guys and guys they've all brought back it's it's interesting you know that these are the kind of guys I think Kerr believes in at, in the back end of a roster, and now they're just trying to kind of manufacture it a little bit, and, and maybe getting they'll the get joy it back. Barbosa. It's all about getting the joy back. Leandro Barbosa is coming for Kai Bowman. Y'all got this all wrong. Mm. <laughs> he led the Brazilian know, league in scoring last year. He was he was a uh, twenty a game. It's going to be a crazy situation. There's a very good chance that the Warriors will go a year between games. Um, and really, when you think about it, it's longer than that because their season ended in October. So it's just amazing to think about what how long a project this is. But you're talking about Clay Thompson's going to end up going maybe 19, 20, 21 months without playing an NBA game. Steph Curry in that time will have only played five, I believe the number is, including one in like the previous... Remember that one random Toronto game he got dropped into right before the pandemic? And then, yeah, Draymond. It's like it's not like Draymond's played a high-energy basketball game in about two calendar years um, by the time they play again. So it's part of why this in-market bubble is is useful for them, I think, coming up. But I wanted to talk more about Livingston. I feel like we kind of glossed over him. Do you get the sense he's coming in with like truly with some like any type of sway on personnel decisions? Because, you know, I... I think that's where his future, at least that's where he wants his future to be. I don't mean that necessarily means year one he's making the draft pick. But Andre Iguodala mentioned recently that, you know, because Andre's down there playing in Miami, Bam's been awesome. And he had some interview where he was like, yeah, I heard very early on that Sean Livingston was telling me, this guy's good. Watch out for him. Watch out for him. Like Sean Livingston saw Bam early. Like, do we get the sense that Sean is going to really be like in the war room? Like, hey, well, I like this draft pick. What about this trade type thing? We know the Warriors listen to just about everybody anyway, right? So he'll be in the room. His voice will punch way above the weight of his title. Like, that's what we do know. Like, he's starting at a higher level than probably they'd they'd want normally. Like, even uh, Mike Dunleavy, who's, like, now top four in the Warriors. Like, maybe three if you factor in his relationship with Bob. But, like, he started as a scout, like, hitting the road just to kind of get his feet wet in the organization. 
So they're bringing in Sean at a higher level than they normally would, but they really wanted him. They've been trying to get him to do this for a while, and he he didn't commit. He knew he wanted to do it, but he didn't commit. I imagine what he says would matter, even beyond like his title, even if it's just to Bob. Like first, it's like he's reporting to Bob. You know, he he's not reporting to like Larry Harris, right? Like. <laughs> he's got the direct line to Bob. And if Bob wants to listen to him, then Bob's going to listen to him. So I don't think he's coming in as like a a helper or runner, you know, like he's got to learn that stuff because he's never done it. But I think there's no question his input on the player will be taken far above more people in that front office. You know, there's, (laughs) <laughs> dot 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 yeah dot 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 <laughs> just go dot 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 far above more people in that, in that front office they haven't had i mean obviously he's not jerry west but they haven't had that type of voice like that that's one of the things that they they've lost is like the, the guy who's been on the court and can tell you you know the guy who has a different view they got Dunleavy also for some of that. but Yeah, but also, so I, I think they're building maybe a little bit of a team culture, like with the Miami Heat, where there's the sense of you play for us, you're a part of the culture. Now you're going to be like Alonzo Mourning, and you're going to be in the in, in the front office. Shane Battier. Shane Battier. And, Udonis Haslam, who apparently won't be an active player for 75 years. He's going to be a player-assistant coach forever. Because I don't think Dunleavy's that guy. I think Dunleavy's connection to the Warriors is incidental to his hiring by the Warriors. And from what I heard, it might have been a slight impediment. You know, Dunleavy is there because of his relationship with Bob. That's why he's there. It's not because there was an infrastructure within the Warriors that went, oh my God, Dunleavy, you know him, you love him. I mean, the people who run the team don't have a connection to him, really. That happened afterwards. So this seems more of a piece with we are building a Warriors culture from people who helped us. Yeah, Zaza. At some point, I think they'd love to have Andre back, but, you know, maybe that doesn't happen. They're going to pay him $17 million a year? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know exactly. They already did a couple times. No question. And knowing Sean, he's not going to go in there like pounding his fists and saying, this is the draft pick and this is what we must do. That's not Sean. It's, he's going to kind of be in the corner there on the side and maybe raising his eyebrow a couple times. And then when they break up, he's going to pull somebody to the side and have a nice chat and it'll be substantive, but it won't be demonstrative. It won't be like I'm leading the way, certainly not in the beginning. But we know how Livingston was thought of in that locker room. We absolutely, from like almost the the first day he showed up, he's just been through so much. That's part of it. That's part of his story. It's real. You know, someone who possibly might have lost his leg, and yet he came back, fought through nine different teams, made himself a, a, a real important player for a multiple championship team with superstars. So I just think it's going to be like that. You know, it's going to be kind of quiet, but also when he says something, it's going to matter. They're going to bat some things around, and and that's what Myers likes anyway. He likes it to be kind of develop its own thing, like just see where his voice is strong, so see where he wants to be influential on. Uh, maybe he's a liaison to the coaches. Maybe he's a liaison to the players. I think he's certainly going to be a liaison to the players. Well, certainly three of them. Clay's going to be like, I'm not talking to any of your staff, Bob. Just I'm only talking to Sean. <laughs> Don't have anybody else come talk exactly. to me. <laughs> that's what Livingston played like. like where is the gap? Where's the place I need to be? doesn't have to be everyone seeing me do it, but where is that? And I think that's what it'll be on the front office. I think part of both these hires were like, let's just get them in the organization, and then the job will kind of formulate once uh, we get back to normal. Yeah, yep, I agree. Are you surprised, though, Slater, he didn't go into coaching? I know they they wanted him to coach, but I never saw Sean as the coach. Like, you got to want to be out front for that. The reason why I say no is because he said no. Every time you talk to him, it was like, always front office running teams behind the scenes you know who he loves elton brand like he's he's very friendly with elton brand he, he's mentioned elton brand several times to me as like that path compared to like it's not like he was mentioning Ty Lue or you know. although one thing though i never thought of steve nash as a coach so you never know and i don't think steve ever thought of himself for sure as a this coach was always going to be sean's move, first move now like you said maybe down the road you know nash was very communicative and he would run the charity event in new york that soccer event and so you could kind of see it sean more in the background sean's personality reminds me a little bit and i could be wrong here of a nick Uren for a, a guy within the warriors who wasn't 
a player, but had a role in the coaching staff, was very mild-mannered and quiet, and eventually said, you know what, Yeah, I don't know if this is for me, and has tried to angle himself for a future GM trajectory, I think. And so... Are you saying he's not mild-mannered anymore? <laughs> oh, no, are we talking about... Are we talking about Badass Nick, Nick you're in Nick now? is mild-mannered. Now he's a bitter basketball ops man. Now he's yeah. an ass. No, he's it, just It, it does ass. seem like if you are a little less bombastic or I don't even know what to say. If you, if you are more mild mannered, maybe, maybe you should be an ops and maybe you should be uh maybe you should be more in the GM side of things. And if you want to have a, if you want to have a face to face screaming match, maybe being a coach is more for you. Wow. That's generalization, but that's well, it's all good. It's I, all good. We'll I, I think we'll, it's, we'll I think it's you, true. You, you, it's intense down there in the, they call it the, they call it the pit. They call it the pit that area, Yeah, but there's different personalities up and down a coaching staff. Jaron Collins is not screaming at people. I'll, I'll put it that way. And there, you know, there's there's ways to do this. There's different there's different elements to it. But I, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I'm just saying it's just people find different spots. And and I can see Sean being a coach. I can see Sean being a general manager. I can see Sean being, you know, an assistant to an owner. I can see Sean being an owner. I mean, you, you know, I could see Sean doing a lot of different things. You'll see smart. I could see Sean being a columnist for the Athletic Bay Area, which is how do you not land him? Jokingly, how do you, how do you not land him? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, man. How did we did kind. Kind of threw, By threw, the way, like it open door, like he, he can write, you know, first person, my first year in uh, the Warriors front office columns. That is true. Um, the one thing with Livingston is like there's not a door in the NBA that's not open to him. He could go up to any player in the league and they like he's him. been on almost every team yeah he's been on almost every team too first that's that's part of it he's he's, he's got every jersey in, in his background but yeah he's he's been through so much he's he's such a good guy you know he has been through so many different experiences absolutely i mean he could do whatever he wants so he'll, he'll we'll see this what, what it works with with warriors in the front office find you know exactly what he likes about him so who's next what's next former players this is Jordan. It's, it's coming home. Someone mentioned D- David West. David West, if he wants to. I mean, but David's got bigger. He's David got West bigger is going after the mind, NCAA. Think, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. David's got bigger things, but that would be a natural. It would be a natural fit. Uh, Iguodala, obviously, I mentioned whenever he wants to, but. Uh, Vergeau, I mean, I guess you know that's that's another one of Steve's favorite players. I don't know if he might bring up some bad memories though, so maybe not. Draymond Green's already half in the front office. I mean, he was part of the draft pick a couple of years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, one person I could see, and he's he's still obviously well, still in his almost his prime of his career, but I could see them bringing back Harrison Barnes. You know, that's a guy I could see, you know, working in a lot of different capacities for a lot of different teams but i could see the war i mean you know just to talk about a guy that ownership and front office and everybody really respected certainly maybe more than the fans did is, is harrison barnes that's one guy i could see coming back but in a while in a while not not right not right away but i was thinking uh jordan crawford Jordan Crawford would know. <laughs> Jamal Crawford? Ding! <laughs> yeah, Jamal Crawford. I'm surprised because, you know, Bob's representation has been a big part of this, his connections. Antoine Jameson, now, but not part of the dynasty, whatever, but, you know, former warrior, Bob's former, I mean, it's very close. They're not as close as, like, you know, there were some other, you know, Brandon Roy was, like, his number one guy. Number one guy with Bob. I always thought, okay, if there was one guy I think about it, it'd be Jameson. And Dunleavy, he was close to too. But I thought Jameson hasn't happened. I would put that one. That wouldn't be like restarting the culture of the dynasty, of course. But that's a guy that. Bob's Are you saying Bob to. has a type? <laughs> he represents guys. I'll just say that. Although he he was close to DeAndre Jordan's another one of his guys. So that wouldn't be in the same kind of situation. But Casey Jacobson. You could throw some guy Brandon Roy though. I think if have you talked to Bob about this? You know Brandon Roy is like his number one guy. He will he will do anything for him. I'll say this: uh, it was not a non factor that Sean Livingston is African American. I was just about to swing that conversation to you. You had a large section in your article just about the lack of diversity. Uh, on the top level of the ladder in the Warriors organization, front office. They went on the record and talked to you about it. I just, what did you kind of take away? How many I don't knows from Bob over under? You said it. I'll tell you if he went over under. <laughs> Five I don't knows. Five I don't knows. More margaritas over, than I had in Over. <laughs> over. Definitely. Over the fire. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. You know. You tell me. <laughs> no, I do. What was your takeaway from like that part of your reporting for that story? It began as a, you know, hey man, what y'all doing? I, like we, we're seeing a lot of statements and emails and Black Lives Matter talk, but man, what's up with your staff, right? And so that led to conversations about 
like the Warriors just don't like doing things for the PR of it. They almost like go the opposite way if they think it's for PR. Like it's one of the reasons they don't have a woman on staff because they think if they just hire a woman now, they'll just be like everybody else who's doing it as a PR stunt. So then they started talking about this whole pipeline and, and getting these young guys in. Ryan Atkinson's of the world, you know, Ethan, Ethan, you know, Ryan, who, uh, you, you might see in a, in a clubhouse, <laughs> you, you know, an AIDS clubhouse, right? It's Santa Cruz. Hardest working man in the industry, Ryan Atkinson. Especially Kirk, you know, and, and Bob, their plan is to facilitate, like, turning their front office into like a factory. So that's their alternative plan to just go and hire like two black guys. And, you know, for me, like Myers had the opportunity, right? Like he didn't have to hire Dunleavy, just like TK said. Like you could have diversified your staff with that, but part of the issue is this stuff is all relationship based. It ain't even really like what's the resume? I it's the same thing with coaching. It's even more front office. Like if you were filling out the Indeed dot com like job description, what is it? <laughs> like we, you don't even know what it is. So it's it's really just all been. Who's comfortable around you? Who are you comfortable around? So they recognize that their staff is very, uh, uh, you know, vanilla ice cream. Sean was the guy who could solve both. Sean was a guy that they wanted, and he was also black. And I, I do think that mattered. And Sean, one of his hesitations, which took him so long, was he didn't want to be seen as a PR move. He's like, yo, you're not, you're not just about to hire me because – like you need somebody right because you'll win the day that you hire me it's like the winning the press conference type thing they're so anti-pr though like part of it is like dude just do it like just because like this is right and it's fair but then the other part is like yeah i mean i get why it's better to not have pr but then you know on the other side like how many people are coming up the pipeline and still not getting the gig right like so there's some nobility in saying we're gonna try to give four or five people the chance to build a resume and all that. But yeah, in the end, you still go to Mike Dunleavy, right? Like, so <laughs> it's noble, but it's probably not always that effective, but that's their plan. You know, you see, here's my thing. And maybe I'm wrong about this. Like when you don't know somebody, you use these kind of like symbols or you use these patterns to figure it out, right? To say, Hey man, why is this happening? What does this tell me about you? My thing is like, we kind of know these guys. Like, I mean, we know what they're about. So my question is like, why haven't you done this? Unless you are a great actor, Bob Myers, I don't, I don't believe you're a racist. I don't believe you're bigoted. So why haven't you done this? <laughs> like, what's the deal? And that's what he's like, well, I want Sean. I've been trying to get Sean for years. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You tell me. You, you know. You know. You've been around. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, another point, I mean, hey, listen, they haven't had a minority at, at the top levels of basketball operations for a long time. So, yo, so I asked, it's a funny story, Tim. <laughs> so funny story. I hit the Warriors PR guru uh, and I'm like, hey, when was the last time somebody in your front office has been this high? And I put the next text, I put Al Adels, question mark. <laughs> So, so Raymond was very eager to get back to me and say, nope, nope, Rod Higgins, Mitch Richmond. Uh, but he was very, he was very happy. I was like, yo, if it's Al Adels, like it, it is, oh, if Adels, <laughs> we gonna have a problem. I forgot about Mitch and Chris Higgins, uh, uh, Rod Higgins though, in the Chris Mullen regime. I forgot about that. Definitely. You know, listen, they, you know, they were under Mullen, so Mullen was making the shots. But yeah, Rod was, that's one thing I always know, because Chris was never actually the GM. He was executive vice president over the GM, which he hired, obviously, his good friend, Rod Higgins, and they had Mitch in there. And then when Rod left, Mitch got a little promotion. Remember when Larry Riley forgot to send the letter, like, saying that Mitch's contract wasn't renewed or something? There was, I wrote about it. I can't even remember. It was some hilarious thing where he actually, like, renewed it instead of – he meant to fire him, but he renewed it instead. So, uh, so many fun things involving the pre-Dynasty Warriors that, that we all can chuckle about, but – Yes, those were those were two those two times when they absolutely did have a black person at, at very highest levels of, of basketball ops. But it's been a while since then. It's been a while since then with a lot of a lot of you know ability to do it. And this big team. So this this is a flagship team for the for the NBA, 
and it was notable when they didn't. I'll put it that I w- way. I will say this, Slater. It's, it's kind of hard to do with, uh, like, three of the spots are taken up by family hookups. <laughs> right? Like, if I'm Joe Lacob, I'm putting my sons in, too. So I don't begrudge him at all, right? Like, that's the I'm, league. I'm holding a spot for my sons. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's the league. That's exactly what it is. The NBA runs on nepotism. I mean, Rod Higgins, for instance, I think, uh, had his son when he was running the uh, the Bobcats. Had his Corey son Higgins, who, yeah. Who was not an NBA player, I think, like on the team. No, he played for a little bit. He played for a little bit. I just remember him not being good. I might have slandered him, so I apologize if I if I did that. I mean, he didn't make it, make it, but I think he had a, <laughs> as they say you, in baseball, you, you he had that? a cup of coffee. You see that at Summer League, too, where there are so many spots that people just have out of the nepotism, where it's, uh, I I remember for years, uh, George Carlson, Colby Carl would always be on a team, even though he had no shot at the NBA, and it's just, the NBA has such a nepotistic edge to it, and these different arenas, they're almost like castles in Game of Thrones, where uh, they are run according to a family, and it's just, it's almost like an old world. It's a very old world, and it certainly results in a lot of bitterness, because not every hiring decision is based on merit. A lot of it is based on, you know, genes. And that's like a corporate issue across America, right? I mean, like, it's it's not like the NBA. It's, it's it is, but there are no shareholders. There's no shareholder pressure in the NBA. So, yeah, there are these businesses, there are these corporations where the kid gets named, but in a lot of these businesses, the shareholders will revolt if the kid is, uh, you know, a James Dolan-level operator. In the NBA, you just don't have that particular guardrail. So I think the NBA is more nepotistic than your standard business for that reason. You know, it, it offers us a lot of goofy scenarios and intrigue and the crazy blood feud between the buses as they tried to fight for control of the team. So it, it creates good content, but it probably doesn't create the most efficient management in most instances. Even just the title of general manager is not universal. Like, it literally changes with every team, right? Uh I mean, I hate to say it, but isn't nepotism probably the best resume like that you can say I at least came around this? Because I feel like I'm, I'd be as qualified as any of them, but I'd be a fish out of water. I don't know 99% of the things that happen behind the scenes. That's when it gets complicated because it is in many instances a relationships business. And so if you're born into it, you're going to have all these connections. I mean, Johnny West can probably get a bunch of people on the call because he's basketball royalty uh, in a way from a from a basketball family. And so in a non-meritocratic way, you do have certain advantages just from growing up within it. And there is a truth to that. But, you know, are you as young and hungry as Maasai? Are you as young and hungry and, and ambitious as somebody who had to really crash? And feeling like you need to improve and get your get your craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see there's a... But also, you know, I just feel like, like if you are picking a general manager, like literally, what are you looking for? Like, what are the skills? You don't even know what they are until you actually do them, right? Like we could say, hey, Bob, you're a good negotiator. Well, of course, you spent, you know, X amount of years as an agent under Arntellum. Like, okay, we, we could see that track record. And, you know, they probably should just say that, yo. Like, yo, this is basically a, race, a network and we need to let more people in. But, yeah, it's a network. What, what are we supposed to do? I'm fascinated by it because the GM job is so undefined and so all-encompassing. And so that's why GMs tend to be miserable. They're, they're not very happy for that reason because – Everything is their job, and you're generally happier when you know that I hit this mark, and that means I did good, and that's just not where they're at. Here's another element that's important, like that really kind of <laughs> why nepotism is so common. Like, you're not getting that much money, yo. Your whole life is dedicated to this. You're not getting family time. You're doing 58 jobs, and until you get to the level where you're like a Bob Myers or Mike Dunleavy and you could command a real salary— Like, you're not getting that money. You better have family money (laughs) if you want to do this, right? Like, you better have a connection because you ain't getting paid. Yeah, assistant GM Larry Harris, son of Dale Harris, if we're going through the uh, the family connections of the NBA, 
uh, was saying to me that when he was interviewing for GM jobs, he had to prep his wife and say, look, if I take this, you know, this is going to be a massive strain on our life. I will have to take phone calls at all hours, at all times, and just leave whatever we're doing. So it's this vague job. You're responsible for everything, and it's all according to expectations. And we don't even know what the main thing is. Is the main thing when when Daryl Morey at the Sloan Conference lists that he pulled off all of these maneuvers? It's listed on the brochure that he pulled off X and Y and Z maneuver to get James Harden. That's what Daryl Morey's pitching himself as is. I can pull off the kind of trade that another GM can't be able to pull off. Bob Myers is the emotional intelligence. It's like everybody has their kind of thing. But as I have argued in my book, the thing that really makes your name ring out as a GM is being an idea man. You know, if you have an idea attached to you, then you are going to have more cachet than the other GMs. And, you know, Sam Hinkie, idea. That's why he's more famous than GMs who won a championship. Billy Bean, idea. That's why he's more famous than the other, other GMs who won a championship. So, yeah, I'm going off my tangents, but I, I love this topic. Well, yeah, it's also interesting in the in the fantasy sports age, too. It's become a different job that, that gets levied with more criticism than it previously did because people now build their own rosters. And, you know, and like that's become such a fun part of sports to people is the machinations. And, you know, think about how much more we write about it now than it was, you know, just like the salary cap minutia and all that than it was written about two decades ago, 15 years ago. Some of those people are in ownership groups. You know, they, they they view that job. Well, that's another part of why your job sucks is you've got a bunch of minority owners who are angling for the job. Like Vivek was with, with the Warriors, where you've got people where they've got a share of the team that need a voice and you need to pretend as though they have a voice. I mean, you have to make them feel like they're included. I've run into Bob when he's been on the phone in these conference calls with the other owners. And it's just... God, you got to do a lot of stuff. It's not like fantasy sports, as you're saying. It would be awesome. And you're making 70000 But fantasy sports has made people believe, because that's the only part of the GM job they know. They don't know, hey, like, hey, Draymond is really mad about something, you know, going on right now. Go have a conversation with them. They're like, ah, no, well, like, when Christian McCaffrey has a bad game or something, you know, he doesn't get enough touches in my fantasy team. I don't have to go discuss it with him post-game. We'll be back to the show. But first, a word from our sponsors. You want to know how I stay hydrated? You want to know how I keep my uh, system going so I make sure I got enough water? Actually, I don't do anything. It's my wife constantly asking me, did you drink some water today? Did you drink some water today? And I'm like, no, but I did drink tea, which has water in it. You feel me? I kind of feel like that's the same thing. She vehemently disagrees. But believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. That's why with Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Now listen, even though I think lattes have water in it, so it's just like water, or teas have water in it, it's just like water, I cannot front. When I actually do drink water, everything is better. Like, my energy is there, I got some uh, some pep to my step, I don't feel as heavy, and you know, and I'm pretty heavy, I don't feel as heavy, so she's right. I do need to drink water. I get it, right? Proper hydration is crucial for your immune system and can boost your immunity, right? So with liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to do that. Plus, it's packed with potassium, vitamin C, and other vitamins known to help your body defend against infections. So I do understand this. I'm not an idiot. I just don't like the taste of water. But I do like some hot water. You know, when I'm writing, instead of like, pounding another latte i do like sipping on hot water that was my compromise right hot water so i'm going to encourage you to be like me and get some more water in right i need you to get your proper hydration to boost your uh, immunity and liquid iv gives you the same hydration as i said it's two to three bottles of water alone it contains five essential vitamins it's healthier way healthier than these sugary sports drinks no artificial flavors or preservatives less sugar than an apple, and the ingredients are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and free of dairy and soy. Why is liquid IV so effective? It's called cellular transport technology. The optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. 
It's the perfect balance of liquid IV that helps you hydrate more quickly and effectively than just drinking water alone. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water can do more or about the same amount as drinking two to three cups of water. Put this stick of liquid IV in your water, you basically just drunk three cups. That's great for me because I hate drinking water. Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. They already changed me, but they're changing the world by donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. So their products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, active military, people who need to stay hydrated. So you need to join me in this water mission. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or or you get 25% off if you go to liquidiv.com and use the code ATHLETIC. That's it. 25% off anything you order if you just use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration and listen to your wife when she tells you you need to drink more water. Listen, I know Slater only wants to talk about the actual team we cover and Ethan only wants to talk about Giannis. But either way, no matter what, you can get whatever we come up with for a dollar a month. Don't miss our exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Look, we know Slater only wants to talk about what's actually real and happening and going on with the team. And we know Ethan would much rather talk about Giannis pipe dreams and trades and scenarios where the Warriors take over the world again. Either way, no matter whichever is right or wrong, it will only cost you a dollar a month to find out. It only costs you a dollar a month to read whatever it is great that we come up with. That's a pretty good deal, right? You'll get all access to our exclusive in-depth coverage of the 49ers, of the Raiders, Giants, Ace, and you'll also get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, expert analysis, and basically just about every sport you want, right? We even got golf now. You know what I'm saying? Come check out my WNBA coverage, you feel me? So, a dollar a month, that's it. That's all it takes. Sign up now to see yourself to our creativity, our reporting, and our storytelling about the pipe dream of Giannis coming to the Warriors that sets the athletic apart. Or, come holler at us, right? Athletic.com slash Warriors plus minus, and you can get the actual, real, factual coverage of the team. Like the real stuff, not the speculation, the actual news of what's happening, what's going on, who's doing what, who's improving, right? All of that you can get access to for a dollar a month. So sports are back. Don't miss it. Don't miss all that we bring. Theathletic.com slash Warriors plus minus, and you got it for a dollar a month. Come see who wins, Slater or Ethan. I got knocked off the Wi-Fi. I, I sat out for 10 minutes, and you guys are still – we haven't brought up Giannis to the Warriors one time yet, oh, by the way. We're talking about fantasy, done deal. fantasy done deal. Yeah, come on. Well, yeah. paving the little, way here. We're paving little, the way. Sean Livingston, little known, great relationship with Giannis. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I have no idea if he knows Giannis. <laughs> I was going to say, what? No, but, but, but that's maybe, the interesting maybe. part about this whole GM thing, right? And that, that Slater is so funny. You bring this up like people think because you can do fantasy basketball or whatever. Like, you can do this. Like – that's a major part of the job is being able to talk to like millionaires, celebrity athletes. And like, how many people can actually do that? Like who's going up to KD last year? Like, dude, what are you doing? Are you staying there going? Like, and I just got to get a plug in the victory machine. There's a whole chapter on this. Geez. If you're two references, I'm just saying there's a whole chapter the on this. And, uh, yeah, since you get... you've been back on Wi-Fi, this is about number nine. Over. What's the, what, what are we setting the over under at for the podcast episode? Yeah. On? It's <laughs> over the amount of margaritas that Slater had in San Diego. It's over the amount of yeah. Bob Myers. I don't know. Right. Like, That's it's, it's like, geez. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'm going to lose Wi-Fi. Again, just for, just so Giannis, for are we talking about that? I mean, I know we've made a joke about well, it. We always talk about it, but well, it's kind of like I, 
would prefer to talk about what is actually going on around the team, which includes a training camp next week, we can get to. If you guys would like to go on another tangent about how Giannis is going to be here, feel free. <laughs> I, no, 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 no I think we did it. We did it. Uh, we, but I've that's the thing. Slater has been a, a Giannis pessimist, and uh, he has staked that claim. He said that fervently to Chris Haynes that he won't force a trade. Yeah, won't force a. He trade. won't force a trade, and uh, that's now- important. And, and, very which and effectively thought, ends his chances of coming to the Warriors, right? Which, if if, if it's true, yes. if it's yeah, true, true, that right, actually right. does. And, and so yeah. at that point, the Slater Giannis pessimism was highly validated, and um, you know, I I think we all shrug our shoulders at that point and go, yeah, well, if he's saying that publicly, it would be kind of crazy for him to turn around and then do something like that. I do think sometimes we overthink these things and maybe we should take people at their word. I mean, with KD, for instance, he was never saying he was coming back to the Warriors. And as much as fans were yelling at us, uh, it was just look at you know, look at what he's saying and look at what he's not saying. So Giannis saying that, I think if you're a Bucks fan, had to thrill you. And then he unfollows his teammates on Instagram and he's having this three-hour lunch with ownership and get a little interesting. And I, I believe certainly the reporting on it that he talked to Mark Lazary about being willing to go into the luxury tax. We can all point to them giving up Malcolm Brogdon last year so they didn't go to avoid the luxury tax. I think he can say, what the hell was that? Malcolm Brogdon would, would have helped in the playoffs this season, which I draw a parallel maybe to James Harden uh, and Durant in Oklahoma City. Slater can tell me if that's wrong. There's some conditions to this. I think he's he can say... Yeah, I said I wasn't going to force a trade. Then I talked to the owner, and he said he was going to make a commitment, and then it didn't happen. Trade doesn't have to happen in a week. It doesn't have to happen in three weeks. It doesn't even have to happen in, you know, well, it's not July anymore because I don't know what time of year we're in anymore, but in, 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 the, in, the, you know, in that trading period, it can happen whenever if he's unhappy. If he does not sign that contract, and he didn't say he was going to sign that contract, this thing is live. It's still live. I still agree with Slater in some ways. It's unlikely, but there's ways to cage. There's ways to like, hey, I said I wasn't going to force it, and yet they didn't make the commitment to me, and so my agent can think this and do this, and there can be a series of steps where he does not sign that extension, and the Bucks get scared. There's still a percentage chance for him to be moved, and if there is a percentage chance for him to be moved, the Warriors are on that list. I did text Haynes, like, dude, why are you killing the next two months of our, our <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think, like, Giannis what is like... What are you like, doing, man? Giannis is like, on second thought, walls hurt, man. Like, walls walls are painful. I don't know what I was thinking, saying that if I see a wall, I, I'm the one who goes through it. I mean, look, I... I Maybe the pathway. Let's stop this mess, Slater. When is the when is the camp happening? What are we doing here? It's not well, happening. The, the one thing I, I I don't think he's getting traded. If I was a Bucks fan, I'd be very worried about him long term staying, particularly next summer staying. Is what yeah, I'd be worried about. about the the Raptors would scare me. The Maasai connection would scare me. I think the Bucks are taking this to the finish line. Go yeah. for it. Go for it for another season. That makes you know. And I sense. I that think generally this meeting we're talking about is more of like at Giannis. Like it's a whole like, hey, go prove it. Go spend big. Go try to get Chris Paul. Like, and I think there is going to be one more sprint for them. Can I just interject? What are, what are, what are we talking? Like Chris Paul. Look, Chris Paul, great Hall of Fame career. I, amazing season from him. He's practically middle aged. He was awesome this year. I mean, he just was. That's just a fact. I mean, he's like maybe he's maybe like third team All NBA. Yeah, if you would have said he's he's practically from the Middle Ages, that would have been funny. Yeah, that would have been yeah, practically from the Middle Ages. But yeah, he was awesome. It describes his play. It was a great season with the Thunder. He is a short. He is six feet tall. Well, let I me mean, ask you this, Ethan. Yeah, if if Chris Paul is in that Bucks Heat series instead of let's say Eric Bledsoe, do you think the Bucks have a better chance? Yeah, I I think the Bucks have a better chance. But this is what complicates things. I think Chris Paul probably benefited from the season not being a full season, right? When you're that, you think I think it's going to be an 82 game. Uh, it's a good question. It's a good question, but I don't know if you're getting that big break before it. So I think the rest did benefit veterans to a certain extent. I don't know what Chris Paul you're getting next next year. It just reminds me of the what I'd say is this: I'm not saying it will work. I'm not saying the sprint to the finish line in Milwaukee trying to do anything to get Chris Paul will make it so they'll win a title. I'm just saying I think they're going to try it. I think they're they have one. And more I think that's better than what they have. <laughs> I think that's way better than what they have. Look, I'm just trying to give my analysis. I love Chris. Ethan I love, doesn't want the two year plan. He wants the ten year plan. Well, I'm just saying. I, I Chris Paul love Chris Paul, but that was viewed as one of the worst contracts in the sport 
before he really impressed this season. And maybe it wasn't one of the worst con- contracts in the sport, but maybe we should temper. He got traded for one of the worst contracts. In the yeah, sport yeah. Well, that's the, yeah, that's what we're learning. But maybe we should temper it and go. Eh, maybe it's not that, but it's also probably not what we saw this season. I still don't know what the Bucks would give up for him. I mean, I'm sure there's a way they can put things together, but it certainly wouldn't be a, a really appealing trade. I think Sam Sam mostly wants expiring contracts. Drink, by the way. I just mentioned Sam Presley. But, uh, <laughs> what does Tobin Fikita want? Uh, David Lee, anybody? Uh, David, David Lee in the trade? Tobin Fertita wants a PPP. That's what he wants. <laughs> yes, he does want. Uh, let's, let's just like do the, do the whole thing. I will say they do, have a, they, <laughs> they do have a path where... They don't necessarily need another superstar. They do need another quality player, so I get the Chris Paul thing, but I just... They need a playmaker. They need a playmaker. That's what they need. I'm just saying, the trade countdown does not end in the offseason. If he does not sign that contract, it's at any point. Now, they're probably going to go for it, and I agree. It's the best way for them to do it. They're never going to have a player as good as Giannis again. If they trade him, they are not going to get anything close to his value. It's going to be under the gun. All those things are true. And I don't know what the Warriors could top anybody. Just could come up to the trade deadline. Let's say they get Chris Paul. He's been known to make things not very comfortable for a team. And he's been known to drive people out. What if it's uncomfortable at the trade deadline? And Giannis hasn't signed. And you're looking at the heat. And he's going, you trade me now to the Warriors, you get something. If you don't, I'm going to leave and you get nothing. And again, that might not be the percentage way this is going to go. I'm saying... In this moment, it's not about right now. If he doesn't sign that deal, it's about all the way through to February or whenever the trade deadline is going to be. The Warriors might not be able to outbid anybody, but they might be the team where he says, that's the one I want to go to. That's the only thing that still keeps us alive. I will say, talking to a few people about it, they, their response, they, maybe they were talking to Ethan before me, but their response was when I brought up the uh, the quote about not forcing a trade, they were like, yeah, that, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't anyone that thinks like see he's pledging his allegiance to Milwaukee long term I don't agree with that at all you know I, I would be very concerned if I was him about him walking I just I don't see the formula spending even before the trade deadline because one thing we got to say Milwaukee's built to be a great regular season team we've seen that Giannis it, they start tinkering to try to get themselves into a postseason position that might screw them up for the regular season I mean that's theoretical yeah, sure I mean like theoretically possible yeah. anyway I kind of did want to mention this camp thing because it's actually some, something that's pretty interesting going on with the team we cover, not the speculative nature of our uh, hater. Maybe I am being a hater, but guess what? Uh, the team that we cover next week—it's uh, going to be very interesting. They are this week. They have to do like daily coronavirus testing for everyone that's coming into the facility, and then next week, starting Monday, at least as of now, the tentative plan is to go to a hotel and quarantine in hotel rooms for forty-eight hours. Monday, Tuesday, quarantine come out of the hotel room Wednesday, and then all the way up through two weeks, they don't know the exact plan they're going to do now, but from that Wednesday on, they can drive to the facility and and back to the hotel on a bus. They can't leave at all, um, but they can do group practices and have basically a camp. But talking to Steve Kerr today, he's basically saying he initially was thinking this would be like, you know, training camp 2.0, you know, you're installing defensive stuff and whatever, but he has come to the opinion talking to players that it's just going to be better to get out there as a team bonding thing, scrimmage a bunch because these guys haven't played five on five. Don't hammer them with details. Mostly just play basketball, be around each other. They're going to be at the hotel, so they're going to do like watch parties for like West Finals, East Finals games. Apparently, they're going to have speakers talking to them over Zoom, but it's going to be a little bit like a, a summer camp type thing for them. It's going to be weird. And we're not allowed, by the way. We won't say what the hotel is. I think we know what the hotel is, but are we? Is, is nobody allowed to check into the hotel? Is it all blocked off for them? Yeah, I, I don't know all the specifics on that, but it is going to be pretty bubbled out. And you know, this is through the players' association has been very adamant about this part. I don't think like the Warriors, you know, love to have to set all this up. But uh, the players' association has basically said, if you're going to do this, you have to do it essentially just like Orlando, where there is no contact with the outside world while this is going on. I don't think we'll be able to get there. As far as full participation, that is still up in the air. I did not hear this from Steve, but I ha- and I, I will report this in the story. You know, Draymond, who, and he's put it out publicly, his fiance's pregnant, pretty deep into her pregnancy. So, you know, I think due at some point in the relative near future, which, you know, is this the proper time for him to, to go into a bubble for 
10 days, two weeks, however long. So I think he's a little bit up in the air. That has Sounds like the perfect time to me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, oh. The, per- the perfect time is the perfect time is the can't first they, two weeks of they, the after the birth. After the birth, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ba- babies, man. Woo. I know Wiggins is in town already. Um, you know, there's families involved. Uh, let's just say, like, they don't know for sure exactly everyone that's going to participate. But I think that they know... At the end of the day, they have a bunch of young guys who are hungry who will be there, and that'll at least provide some energy and some. And they want Clay out there. I mean, absolutely, you want that's what that's who you want running around out there, just so he feels good about it. So the other players get used to being around Clay. I think that'll that's huge, no question. And, and Curry, I mean, they haven't been around Curry that much either. So, and just to have everybody together. This is gonna. This is gonna be very pretty important. You know, see what the chemistry is like. See what all those guys on the court together feels like. And, and I bet you, you know, maybe Draymond could come in for half of it. Maybe something like that. I can see a lot of bonding. I got Kerr coming up with a lot of things that we'll, we'll be hearing about maybe in, in November and December about how they bonded over this couple week period. And maybe we'll be able to talk to them. We'll see. I mean, you know, we won't be there. We get the yeah. zooms, right? We get the zooms. It'll be similar to like I don't know how you guys are probably doing it with Niners now, but for about a couple of months I've been going on Frank Vogel and Anthony Davis zooms and all that stuff. So it'll be similar. Yeah, Melissa Rollins, uh, you know, dog barking and it... there have been some interesting moments on these zooms. It's strange. You got to raise your hand. It's not like a normal scrum where you can just hey, all right, you hear their questions about to end. Let me butt in because I really need to get this question. And the thing I I would say I like the least about the zooms is the lack of ability to follow up you know you you know you raise the hand you ask the question and then they start to answer and you get you know muted and taken away and it's like i would love to ask a follow-up but i physically can't because i can yell all i want but they can't hear me you know what i do is i well all a secret i that nobody on the fortnite listen to but i tell them beforehand you're gonna let me on for two questions period you're not taking me off for the second question but that's, but that's me. the tk that's clout do. not everyone's that's got the, that that's, the, that's the i run muscle. the bay area that's the you know muscle. tim kawakami <laughs> you know you can't slater can't just march in the laker land Oh, he can now. He can now. Slater's taking over. Let me over just tell the Lakers PR time. Hey, buddies, I'm coming on, and you just keep me unmuted the whole time, and I'll butt in when I want. You are not taking me off. You are not taking me off. I, I don't do that a lot. I don't do that a lot. I just it, it might have been said once or twice though. We got stuff coming. We got we got Warriors stuff. I like it. We, got, we don't just have to talk about things. We actually. Are you happy? We we spent a few minutes talking about the actual team. Are you are you satisfied? Are you appeased? What's the most we've talked about the Warriors in a long time on the Warriors show? I don't show. know. It's uh, us rhetorically photoshopping a Warriors jersey onto Giannis is pretty good for the listenership, I, suspo- I suppose. But you're right. We should be more grounded in reality in the here and now. And it's good that there's actual. No, but we have, we have some here. We have some here. Yeah, we have some here. <laughs> I know. We there's have some a team now. that will be quite interesting next year that won't include Giannis, I don't believe, on the Warriors. And uh, <laughs> they'll still be potentially a contender. And, and it's worth discussing and we've got plenty time to talk about them in december when the season starts oh i was gonna say there's a west finals coming up that i thought was gonna be la la and by the time people listen to it they know if it's la la or la denver but wow how about the clippers we are recording this i can't believe the clippers choked and or eventually got it together (laughs) <laughs> like either way we'll, right? we'll like before, without knowing without, yeah, without knowing what the result in game 7 is the Clippers are so much more talented than the Nuggets it's not even close it's unbelievable it's getting to a game 7 isn't it weird to see a Doc Rivers team do this though like they're, <laughs> oh. ba- they're barely trying it's just weird like what you know they're kind of you know the Warriors got that way a little bit where they just wanted to put their hand over the flame to feel it burn and but the Warriors had actually won a couple titles. I mean, so is Kawhi. I mean, I mean that's that, that's, that's the knock probably on this. the yeah. tone setter. I know. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're saying, but he's never been like a leader. That's like you know he's the voice of a team and how he goes. The team goes. He's just doing his thing. Like he's played well. He's the one guy I'm not worried about right now. I do, I don't know what to root for. Not that I would root for anything. I'm you know Mister Objectivity. But on the one hand, it's always fun to root for the underdog and the upset. On the other hand. I just don't see the Nuggets really threatening the Lakers as a matchup. I see you put Anthony Davis on Jokic out there on the perimeter, and it, it's a pretty good answer that the Lakers have. 
I thought the uh, the Clippers Lakers is like the fate of the league is right on this for ratings. Come well, on, that man. well that but that's what I'm si- well. There's that, and there's also that's theoretically a better series if it happens. So I don't know whether to root for the underdog or whether to root for the better West Finals. Well, so the reality is we don't control it, and at this point, the listeners already know what it is. They so. already know. But what we what were we rooting for is what we're saying. Like in the past, oh, personally, <laughs> as personally as somebody who has to cover the series and would like interest slash like to be interested in myself i would rather watch la la i mean that's the thing we've all nobody's rooting for denver for real outside of denver but the memes will be funny i mean it will be all the paul george stuff you know oh man the pandemic p memes we're going yeah oh man doc we get killed too and yeah people are gonna pull out the jamie fox impression of doc and me knowing the executive consultant the way i do or have known him in the past Man, they'll probably make like 15 trades in the offseason if this team doesn't work. Please put trades. a call into him if, if that happens. Yeah, I might do that. Not during, as I tell Slater before the show, not during the game, however. That I will not do. But maybe in some following days, I will talk to him. One of the things I've always wanted to do was watch a game with Jerry West. I, I hear yep, it's yep. legendary. <laughs> I will. I, will I, I have, yeah, I, I have asked to do this, and it's been kind of offered but it's never really happened i don't think jerry's i mean jerry's just sitting in the dark like you know going from game to game or or watching a big game and just kind of like you know going through the all the emotions you would think i think the warriors warriors ops is rooting for denver wow Wow. is that 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 paul george strange you think (laughs) that paul george strange happening an unsettled Clippers situation going into the next season would benefit the warriors i mean that's just you know Clippers could trade for Giannis. That's the little fing- the little finger warriors. I do not man. want to get back to Giannis. Oh my! <laughs> I just want to keep bringing up Giannis because Slater is like dying. Slater over there. Like, no, no, <laughs> we don't want more listeners. No more listeners. <laughs> hey, I entertain it, don't I? Hey, I get. You know what makes do, a good segment? Do, Somebody do. pushing back against you guys. Oh, it's great. No question. No, no question. No question. If you weren't doing it, I, I probably would do it just to try to get some kind of conversation. Hey, going, speaking so of no which, problem, shouldn't you be no on uh, the Forum Club right now? Or something? Well, we can't do a Lakers podcast until we know a Lakers opponent. So the Forum Club has been pushed to Wednesday wow. because, wow. Okay. You know, I mean, it sounds like y'all can just talk about Giannis to the Lakers and it'll be fine. Oh, wow. You know, there's a West Finals to talk about. Maybe maybe in a few weeks on that podcast. Man, I really shouldn't even ask this because we'll know the result. Obviously, there's a case if the Clippers get it done or if they've already gotten it done when you're listening to it that they could beat the Lakers. Is there any, because I'm sure you've been watching both teams, the Nuggets, either they've won and this is a topic or they've lost and it's a moot point, but had they advanced... Is there any chance they could beat the Lakers, Anthony, based on your watching of the Lakers? I mean, a chance, sure. I don't rule anything out, um, particularly the way that they've, you know, Jamal Murray's gotten hot. Jokic has been really good the last few games. Um, I would definitely confidently pick the Lakers, though, in that series. The Lakers' defense is like, they're like an elite playoff defense. That's just, Frank Vogel is coming there. LeBron James is bought in because LeBron James has decided to buy in this year. Anthony Davis, obviously, defensive player of the year, but just schematically, you know, some of the veterans behind them and just like they completely neutralized two really good offenses. I mean, they've got easily. so many ball hawks, man. They've got and that. Uh, yeah. Ron, and that, Rondo, 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 Danny Green. You know who else? Uh, like, I know it's I know it's Kentavious a joke. Caruso is a very good defender. Alex Caruso. Caruso is a really good yeah. Defender. No, that's what I'm saying. They have waves of guys. They could just run at you. And then like who's much better. Who's much better now on defense? Yeah, when it's not working, then they can be like, "All right, LeBron, AD, how about you do it?" Right, like so. They just have man. They just have layers of capable defenders, which is weird because didn't we think that's what we thought the Clippers had? That's all the Clippers. I mean, and, and they do, but they haven't been playing so great, and they've got a couple really bad ones, so that that harms them. One of them is their backup center. So one thing that should be meant, like LeBron is just defending better than I've seen since his twenties. Really, you know, this is the best I've seen him defensively in his thirties, and maybe that's him smelling the title. I think it's a little bit of what Ethan talked about earlier with Chris Paul of that long break. It's basically he had the sprint of the season. Suddenly, when he is an elite level wing defender out of nowhere, 
your defense has that plus Anthony Davis, who might be the best defender in the league behind him. I mean, that right there is the core of an elite defense. And it does help, you know, like if he doesn't have to guard a great small forward. Like, you know, when he had to guard Durant, that was tough for well, him. Well, that's the Clippers uh, coming and up. Potentially, I know. Yeah, the Clippers, yeah so that, that's where the Clippers are the tougher matchup. I, I, I just say like, they, they got those wings you got to guard. And the Rockets did not have that. I mean, who was he guarding on the I, I don't remember who the hell he was guarding on the Rockets. Oh, we didn't even talk about the first. end of the Rockets. Like, I know. We've broken the tradition. It's just sad. <laughs> we always just, talk it, about the end we, of the we Rockets. Deserved a better, we deserved a better series from the Rockets. We deserved better from them, I think. They're not as good. It's just not as good as the Lakers. I, I, really want, Lakers. I really want to give. I really want to hear Slater's take on the Westbrook, Westbrook move. talking about double. double <laughs> you better double down 30. This is why people love Westbrook. He he, he doesn't care, man. I, care I think we all. should maybe address it. The Westbrook move for the Rockets was disastrous. That was not and giving up two the, first and rounders up the and two and, picks. And he's not terrible. and he's not as good as Chris Paul. Just bad, bad the all one, the way around. The one thing I want to add to the Westbrook conversation because one thing I agree with. He was horrendous in that series. The reason why the Rockets were the Rockets of the past is because they were much worse because he was such a high usage, low efficiency dude who just he just sucked the life out of them in that series but one thing i would say is a lot of people are acting like this has always been the westbrook he's just declined a bunch like he's really not nearly what he used to be similar to draymond a little bit where it it becomes the decline becomes a referendum on what preceded it and that's not always fair i mean i do think that westbrook was hailed as better than he was for a long period of time but he also is somebody who outplayed the hell out of Chris Paul in their respective primes in a playoff series. Like, that also happened. So, yeah. All right, before we bring up, like, every other player, uh, I've got some stuff I've got to do today. So let's uh, – <laughs> this has been a great podcast. Let's wrap it up. That was the first so, time okay, Tim's ever take... took us out. That's the first time Tim's Yeah, take, I was like, uh, that's – Your, your, your take yeah, on I said, let's, let's, It's time. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's not do take, 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 hey, take, well, take. maybe we can do James uh, Harden to the Warriors next week because that's, uh, that's what you, you know, you want listeners. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> so we're done, right? We're out. We're out. We're out. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.